Hello and welcome back to the MMA Judgment. I'm Jay. And I'm Kieran. And today we have Jake Foley, uh, the host of uh, JFO MMA Talk, joining us today. So, uh, Jake, thanks very much for joining us. Oh, yeah, of course. Anytime, guys. Um, so, yeah, I thought we'd just uh, talk about the latest ongoings in the MMA world and talk about the upcoming card at the weekend and stuff like that. Yeah, of course. Cool. Um, so, obviously, big fight at the weekend, Korean Zombie and... Uh, uh, I can't think who's fighting now, but Korean Zombie's fighting. Um, Ortega. There you go, Ortega. You know what? I couldn't remember him because he shaved his head. Um, <laughs> threw me off a little bit. How do you guys like? What do you guys think? People are trying to say it's a weight cutting thing. He's looking a little crazy. What do you guys think? He, he looked. Yeah, he looks crazy. You're right there. Um, if it's a weight cutting thing, it's it's very drastic. I think <laughs> it, it's it's. If it works, it's a good tactic. <laughs> it's hard for me to believe that because he's had so much time off. So it's hard to think that, you know, he would really have – and he's never had trouble making weight. Yeah, it is, it is an odd one, like, to say it's it's a weight situation. You know, the, the, maybe he just wants to shave off and, you know, like a new Brian Ortega kind of thing, you know. He's back after so long. This is a new me. Yeah, maybe. Uh, so, I, I mean, how do you both see it going, the fight? Um – the thing I'm worried about is over this week, you know, TKZ has eight submission wins, but it seems like people are starting to give him a little too much credit for his ground game. I'm seeing a lot of people say that he may, you know, he will be comfortable if it goes to the ground. I think if this fight goes to the ground, Ortega submits him all day. So we really just have one of those classic matchups. If it stays on the feet, you know, the advantage TKZ is going to have there is huge on the ground. Ortega should be able to submit him. So it's, it's a really interesting fight. Yeah, I think I, I agree with that. Um, as good as Zombie is on the ground, I think Ortega just that, that's his that's his base in it to, to jiu jitsu. Um, striking, yeah, zom, Zombie all day basically. Um, yeah, I think I, I don't know. I, I've got my, myself, I've got Zombie winning it in like the second round, TKL, if if Ortega fails to take him to the ground, like, um. What about you, Quinn? Yeah, like you say, I think um, either way, the, whichever way the fight goes is going to lend itself to one fighter. So if it stays standing up, it's going to it's going to lend itself to, to Zombie, who you'd, you'd expect to get the win. But if Ortega's smart about it, and I imagine he probably will be, um, and takes it to the ground, then it's hard to see Zombie getting out of them situations because everybody knows how good Ortega is on the ground. Yeah, and the other thing, too, I keep, I've been thinking about all week is, you know, that year and a half, almost two years that he had off, uh, an exper- a really good mixed martial artist like Brian Ortega, he can really start to, you know, he could have really adapted some good striking techniques. I don't think no matter what he comes out with, he'll be able to keep up with the Korean zombie. But I'm really interested in how his stand-up has improved because if he could start really working his combinations more to get those takedowns, we can easily see Brian Ortega, you know, taking over this division. Yeah, definitely. I mean, he, he was meant to fight him originally anyway in December uh, last year, was it? So he, he's obviously had time to plan against them. Um, so he, yeah, it makes sense for him to work on his striking to keep up with them. Um, plus, there's the whole thing of what happened with uh, Zombie's uh, friends. He, he slapped them all something, didn't he? And there's the whole element of that as well that makes it even more exciting. 
Yeah, I was surprised during the stare downs and stuff. They didn't really seem to have like that hatred I thought was between them. You know, you do something. I, I'm a Brian Ortega fan, but w when you do something like that, you, know, you wait till he goes to the bathroom and then you slap his five nine. You know, Fred. Yeah. I thought there would be a lot more tension. I didn't even think these guys would want to, you know, have a face off. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, it's just a sign of disrespect, isn't it? Um, it's something you it's something you don't really see too often in, in MMA. It's a you know, it's a, it is largely a respectful sport, but obviously I think he maybe I don't know, maybe Ortega's thinking if he if he gets zombie wound up and riled up he's he's gonna make a mistake and he can he can exploit that maybe. Maybe that's his thinking behind it. Yeah, the Korean zombie never really gave me that vibe like, oh, he's looking for trouble or he's going to look to, you know, try to stir up any problems. So I, I didn't really know where Ortega got that kind of anger from even to begin with. Yeah. Other than uh, trying to rile him up. Yeah, yeah. it seems out of character for Ortega as well. It's not something you've seen from him in the past and it, it, I don't think it's something anybody expected to see from him there, um, you know, the, uh, yesterday. Yeah, and I mean, I really just don't know what to expect. Like I said before, when you when you get these kind of stylistic matchups, I'm also I, I'm liking the betting odds. I don't know if you guys saw those. They got TKZ at a negative two hundred, so Ortega at a plus one sixty. I wonder what the what his prop bet for submission will be at because you know if you if you offer me Brian Ortega by submission plus three hundred or something like that, I'm gonna have to take that all day. Yeah, I mean to to be honest with you, we're we're kind of terrible with with betting, um, and it it differs a bit when with with, with America as well, the the betting system and that's so. all. Yes, it's it's mad. Um, but yeah, I mean it, it'd be interesting to see what what Ortega does come in as in terms of submission, because as we've said, he is the stronger favor on the ground, so that would be interesting to see. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, though, it's a it's an interesting match just from a, a stylistic standpoint. So um, it's it's we're going to get a good fight, nonetheless. I think at the minute. Um, is, is there any other fights on the card you're really looking forward to? Yeah, the um, Modestas versus Jimmy Crude. I thought, especially as this week went on, this would start to get a lot more uh, attention to this fight. But you know, before Modestas came into the UFC, Jimmy Crute was that guy. You know, he's going to be the next big 205-er. He continues to get good wins. He's looking better and better every fight, and he's young. And the 205, now with John Jones out, it's a wide-open division. But then Modestas comes in, and Modestas looks to me like one of the most dangerous 205-ers. A lot of people don't know his name yet, but, you know, you're talking about a world champion kickboxer. He uh, had the light heavyweight title in cage warriors which is a, a, pro a promotion i have a lot of respect for this guy has all of the talent in the world and just another stylistic matchup between him and jimmy crute that i i don't know how it'll go but whoever wins is going to come out looking like you know the next big star in the 205 yeah no but it's certainly got um it's certainly got a lot to look forward to that fight like you say with Jones no longer in the division, it does it it it, it widens it straight away, um, especially with Jan as the as the champion now. So I would think, um, like you say, whoever whoever comes out on top there is you've got to be looking at them, maybe as maybe not the next contender, but certainly not far away from the t conversation. Oh yeah, I mean with this card, like I done like a prediction thing, and uh, it took me hours to. To try and predict, especially this one, the, the Modestus for the 
I believe he's unbeaten in a couple of fights, isn't he? Yeah, and, you know, it's I, – I once again, the betting lines, you know, don't take my advice for it, but I, I don't see how you have Modestus at plus 250. I think Jimmy Crew could easily win this fight, but, you know, plus 250 seems like some great odds for a guy that – you know, I had picking, I picked to win because I always do my picks before I look at the betting odds. So it doesn't, you know, sway me either way. And when I saw that plus 250, I, it's going to be hard for me to not go on that. <laughs> yeah, it does. It, it makes it, uh, yeah, you, I think you do it the right way, not looking at the betting before making yeah. the uh, decisions because some of them betting odds can, can sway your decisions. I've been there in the past myself when I've placed bets over in the UK. I mean, I think the betting systems are a bit different over in the UK, but you can be swayed by some great odds sometimes. But um, me personally, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Jessica Andrade again. Um, How do you think her power is? you think it'll translate going up to 125? I mean, I'm sure she'll still have that power, but do you think she's going to be able to knock out someone like Jukasian? Um <laughs> I, I, I think so. I, I think she, she, she is a strong, strong opponent. She's proved that over the years. I mean, and... With with Chukagan, I mean, I don't think she finished an opponent in the UFC. She always went the distance, I believe. Um, I don't I, myself. I see this being a bit of a one-sided fight because even if uh, Chukagan does get it down, Andrade has got a black belt in BJJ, so she's definitely going to be comfortable there. Um, myself, I see Andrade winning this one quite quickly. Yeah, I'm just a little worried for Andre only because, you know, Chukasian, she has that Nate Diaz type fight style where she's always coming forward. She's always putting points on the scorecard. And it's one of those things if, you know, Andre doesn't get a knockdown or start getting takedowns, I could see Chukasian winning this by decision. But if it's going to be finished, like you said, it's going to be Jessica is yeah. going to get the because Kate, Caitlin's not going to end up getting a finish. No, yeah. it looks unlikely that like say Caitlin and get the finish. Um but again I think it'd be a good good matchup. Like you say, interesting to see how uh, how Jessica fares moving up a weight class. Um but hopefully she still has got that power because she is one of them explosive fighters. That's really fun to watch. Yeah, but why why do you guys think that Modestus Jimmy Crude is in the co main event? Because I don't think I mean I guess, you know, you got Caitlin and Jessica, the winner will be in the title like contest, but we all know how the women's division works. Are either of these guys going to beat the champ? I don't think so. Yeah, so yeah. I really think Odestis Jimmy Crute had a lot more on the line and should have been bumped up to co-main event. Yeah, I think it's certainly a more interesting matchup to be the co-main. I think what might have swung it for Jessica being the, uh, the co-main is the fact that she's, at the minute, she's probably a bigger name. Maybe, well, maybe more in the UK than over there in the US, but she's a bigger name than Cruz or Modestus at the minute. So maybe that is a factor. But I do yeah. agree. I think I think um, Cruz and Modestus is a much more interesting f fight to be the co-main. Yeah, I think another one that's also going under the radar a little bit is Thomas Almeida and Jonathan Martinez because we continue to see Jonathan Martinez get better and better in this division. And... You know, a guy like Thomas Almeida coming back after what's it been, two and a half, two years now? Two years, yeah. I don't really know what to expect because before he left, he seemed, you know, lost a couple fights, but he seemed like he just continued to get better and better, and we didn't really know how high his ceiling it was going to be. Yeah, I think with this card, because there's a lot of attention on Ortega and a Zombie, 
a, a lot of the other fights are quite golden laid out and it, it is a it is a good card um from top to bottom. Um but yeah with with Almeida he, he does he does look good. He, he has been improving. Um I mean you've seen he's he's capable of knock, knocking people out. You know, his last fight yeah he, he lost. Um and he has been out for a while. Uh, I think come back. Uh, I, I think he'll do well. That that is another good good matchup. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he does with the layoff. Some people, um, you know, it invigorates them. It, it gives them a sort of newer purpose, if you like, and they come back looking better than ever. Some people come back, you can see they've got a bit of ring rust. They these do struggle to get back in the same sort of groove as they did before. So it's always interesting to see a fighter coming back off a long layoff. How they're going to perform back in that in that environment. Yeah, and it, there's always, you know, that that possibility that he could come back better because, you know, all that time off, I'm sure he, he was training the whole time, getting better every day. The only problem is kind of like you said, like it's a big mental thing to step back into the octagon after, you know, taking that long off and just getting re- back in, you know, that mindset to fight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he can be training all the time, but there's no training like being actually in the fight. Um, yeah. So it's it's one of them. It'd be interesting, as I say, it'd be interesting to see how he does fare. But hopefully, you know, like you say, he was he was he did lose his last two fights, but he was he was he was looking good, even in defeat. Um, and I think if he can get sort of past that level and maybe break that ceiling that everybody knows he's got, again, you've you've got a big player in in the division. Yeah, and obviously he didn't take the two losses that well because he took so long off. But the reason I say looking better because before those two losses he was. Well, uh, Almeida was 21 and one or 21 and, you know, oh, something crazy like that. And I think that loss is something that can help out a guy like him because you realize how you can be beaten. And mentally you realize I got to work harder because I am beatable. You know, you start to get too many wins in a row. It looks great and it's great for the fans, but it's a mental thing where you feel like you're untouchable. And then eventually you get you get knocked out, you get finished and it, it had to have hit him hard. Yeah, yeah, like you say, if you if you string and win after win together, you can get you can get a bit lazy. You can switch off. Um, I think probably the biggest example of that is is probably Anderson Silva when Chris Weidman beat him. He was untouchable, and he was being yeah. the same old Anderson Silva that he always was, and it backfired, and he got caught, and he's never really been the same. Well, not necessarily since that one, obviously when he broke his leg, but we've never got back to that same Anderson Silva. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it, it could be the some people might not like this, but it could be the same with Habib. You know? <laughs> he, he's undefeated, you know. So. Yeah, yeah, it did, did not really. Work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think so, it's, yeah. it's going to be a massive, massive thing when if Khabib, Khabib ever does get beat, it's going to be enormous. Um, so many guys like that right now. Like you look back in UFC history, it was never really like this. You, you didn't have guys that were champions with you know four or five defenses and 15 16 and oh we you know at the top of my head there's izzy khabib and volkanovsky and you just continue to wonder like are these guys ever going to lose and when they do how is it going to happen yeah, yeah. It, it just but it's one of them even though like I'm a, I'm a massive khabib fan but it's one of them it, it the thought of him losing is both sort of exciting but like devastating at the same time because you know to to beat him it's gonna to have to be something spectacular um and i think it was 
it, you know, again, it was the same with with Anderson Silva. As I say, it was it, it was wasn't necessarily as spectacular as it could have been, but it was so shocking that it was just a memorable moment. Um, and Wadman's got that forever, but it was just interesting. Um, but yeah, it's a like like Keaton said, it's a good card, top to bottom. So should be some really interesting fights. Um, so yourself, do you do you just stick to UFC or do you watch all of the promotions as well? Yeah, I watch all of them. The only ones that I keep continuing to miss is the one championship because for me, when they do that, it's 6 a.m. So, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not going to happen too much unless you got a really good Muay Thai fight or something like that. Yeah, well, that's it. We're, we're mainly UFC ourselves, but we're trying to, to broaden what we watch. So we're, we're sort of branching out. We're going to start watching one. Uh, we've started watching some of the smaller promotions on, on Fight Pass and stuff like that. So... It's it's a bit it's been been interesting since since we've started. We're obviously still brand new at this, but it's been so interesting seeing so many in, new and interesting fighters, um, and it's it's been great. We've enjoyed it. Yeah, because the problem was before is that it you know I've always watched all mixed martial arts promotions. It's just I wouldn't talk about them as much because. You know, people say they want all mixed martial arts news, and then you start talking about some of the lower promotions, what's going on, and no one cares. You know, no yeah. one wants to hear. But, you know, especially this year with the UFC getting the ESPN contract, and we're seeing mixed martial arts explode. It seems every day I'm seeing another new commercial for mixed martial arts. And these lower promotions are starting to have put on really good fights. And it really is the guys you are going to see at the UFC. So it's good to see them now. So when they come in, I don't have to knock out, you know, two hours of research and film to figure out what I'm supposed to expect. Yeah, it makes life easier all around, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> so, I mean, there's been some um, some big MMA, well, there's always, I suppose there's always something big happening in the MMA world, but uh, me and Keaton were talking about it a little earlier. Um, some of the possible fights that are looking to be made. So we've got an unofficial date for um, McGregor and Dustin, uh, which I think was it January 24th, you said, Jan- Keaton? January 24th. 23rd, I think, and he wants to do it in Texas, I think, Connor was saying. Um, whether that'll happen or not, we're not too sure, because we don't know how this you know, whole thing's going to pan out. Uh, but what, what do you think of that, the, the rematch? How do you see that going? Yeah, I mean, of course, it's kind of like a Khabib-type vibe. You know, we can sit here and say, oh, Dustin Poirier can do this. Dustin Poirier can do this. At the end of the day, Mc- Conor McGregor is just, you know, for lack of better terms, he's built different. He really is. And, you know, we saw some stuff on social media yesterday about Connor saying, oh, I'm really only taking this fight because I'm getting ready for Pacquiao because obviously Pacquiao is a southpaw, Poirier is a southpaw, and, you know, if you want the best boxing-type style in the division, it would have to be Dustin Poirier. So when you put it in that aspect, I start to get a kind of vibe like Donald Cerrone, like Connor knows He's going to go in and get this win. You, you never truly know in mixed martial arts, but I don't I don't think he's as worried about this fight as Dustin is. Yeah. Do, you think that, do you think that approach could backfire for Conor at all? Um, oh, I, I, mean, I mean, I think Dustin's then, improved so much since the first fight that they had, and I think the fight plays out so much differently now than, especially with Conor sort of retiring and not retiring so often and coming back, leaving and things like that. He's obviously... McGregor's a global superstar now, so he's obviously got, he's got, again for lack of a better term, he's got his he's got his finger in a few other pies, at the moment he's not just set on the MMA world, whereas it's still Dustin's life. So, 
Um, I personally see it playing out a lot different. It, whether it means Dustin gets the win remains to be seen, but um, I think if he's overlooking Dustin, it's going to be a mistake. Yeah, I don't think he'll overlook Dustin. If he does, then, you know, we could easily see something like Anderson Silva where he's sitting there showboating and suddenly he gets clipped. The only thing I'm worried about, though, is, you know, when you have a guy like Conor McGregor and he gets a fight that stylistically is going to work in his favor, it's hard to see him, you know, I, I can't see him losing in a stand-up fight. Poirier has gotten better and... You know, I'm sure he'll have a couple of tricks up his sleeves. I'm sure he learned a lot from the first time he fought Connor. But I don't know if there's anyone in the world in mixed martial arts that can take Connor in a stand-up fight. I think that argument can definitely be made. I mean, he's one of the most superior strikers in the UFC. Um, like that, that can't be argued with. But I think like, regardless of what happens, he, he's still going to get that experience against one of the, of the best boxers in the MMA and he, he's still going to fight Pacquiao because that's what he yeah. wants to do with it. You know. I think where the difference lies between McGregor and Dustin himself is connor has got that explosive one-punch knockout power whereas Dustin has but I don't think he has I don't think he will have against someone like Conor. Um, I don't think Conor's not losing by knockout if he loses. Yeah, and I, just a random thought here. I think, you know, we'll never truly know what's going on in Conor McGregor's brain. But the way this is playing out, I think what he's going to try to do is take the Dustin fight. Obviously, in his mind, he's assuming he wins. Then let's say May, June, maybe even July, take Pacquiao, get another 200 mil in the bank. Then with the Dustin Poirier win, and, you know, obviously his publicity – it's going to be hard to make the argument against him that he won't get a title shot. I know it's only, you know, he beat Cerrone and then it would be just beating Poirier, but two fights and one of them being against a really good opponent, I think they're going to give him a title shot. So I think he takes Dustin Poirier, goes to get the money through Pacquiao, wins one last championship and truly retires with enough money to, you know, he can do whatever Conor McGregor wants to do for the rest of his life. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't be surprised if that's how he's, he's looking at it in his own head. Um, the one thing you can't knock about Conor McGregor is is the confidence in his own ability, which it's something you need as a fighter. Um, and he's he's got bucket loads of it. He's got enough for the rest of the, the UFC put together, I think. Um, but it's I'm, we're not big fans of, of Conor McGregor ourselves, but you, you can't deny his his ability in the octagon. He is he's phenomenal and he's yeah. fun to watch. So uh, if the fight does happen, I'm sure we'll all be looking forward to seeing how that plays out. Yeah, the thing that also interested me, too, was that um, in the last time Dana was asked, I think it was two days ago, and one of the Fight Island media days, they, he threw in there like a little line that, oh, uh, something about getting back to ESPN, and that confused me. I, I would really hope they wouldn't use Conor McGregor for an ESPN card unless they truly see, you know, this one card on ESPN taking mixed martial arts in the UFC to the next level. It, I just I was confused by that. I was like, what do you mean you got to talk to ESPN? That I could never see Conor McGregor on a fight night card. No, no. me neither. I think, no. and the other thing I don't see is Conor McGregor coming back before the fans are back. Um, Conor McGregor in front of no fans doesn't have the same appeal as it of it as as Conor McGregor with the fans. He plays off the fans. He, he needs to feed off the fans' energy. Yeah. Um, and obviously without that, he's I don't think he'll want to come back at that point. 
Yeah, and I think that's why he wants to do it in Texas because you got the big Cowboy Stadium. Uh, Texas right now, they're allowed to have 50% capacity in the stadium. And, you know, it's the only place where you can have a capacity and not have shitty judging because the only other one I can think of off the top of my head that, that will allow a good amount of capacity right now is Florida. And we've seen in the past, you do not want to go to a decision in Florida. So <laughs> Houston makes most sense uh, for the fight in – you know, a big stadium like the Cowboy Stadium, it, it has Conor McGregor fight written all over it. Yeah, yeah it makes, makes sense in, in that respect then, I suppose. Um, obviously, moving away a bit from Conor, um, we have had the uh, confirmed fighter, Petr Jan and uh, Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, and I continue to wonder why, you know, at first it became like a little bit of like a trend, oh, Sterling's not getting his chance, oh, but he needs to get his shot, but... Why exactly was that? Because I'm still trying to figure out. I don't. I find it so weird how we had to wait till after the Marlon Marias fight because now I think you know. Obviously, Sanhagen got the finish, but if Marias would have finished Sanhagen, were they going to give Marias the title shot? That was what worried me because notice how you know Sterling deserved this title shot months ago, and now suddenly the day after the Marias fight, it's official. I just I don't get what the UFC has against Aljamain Sterling. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Santegan actually saying he, he deserves it. As it, it probably was, you were eyeing up Marais and Santegan as, you know, whoever wins gets the title shot. But the fact that Santegan says he needs to have that shot first and then I'll fight the winner or bring in the, the other fellow, TJ Gillishaw, to the picture and I'll fight him, you know. But he, he is deserving of it, and I think it's going down in December, isn't it? So it's yeah, they're being back and forth on Twitter as well. It's, see, seems that's a, a big thing now, isn't it? You know, going back and forth. <laughs> I think that's how, that's how you make fights in 2020, isn't it? Over Twitter, yeah. <laughs> but again, I mean, I think so. How, how do you see that one, Gobin? Do you think Sterling comes out with the, with the belt, or do you think? I think Sterling does come out with the belt, but I think it's going to be a really close fight. I mean, we saw when Peter Yank got the belt, a lot of people were trying to give him that label of, you know, the belt holder. He's not the, you know, he's not the champion. He's the belt holder. And yeah. I, I never saw it like that. You know, a lot of people said that because he, he did, he's never fought someone in the top five. And I see where that can be a little bit of a concern, but at the same time, he's got some of the best boxing in the UFC. I mean, the way he throws his combinations and he's so patient, he sets up his shot. He has legit power in the division. I think it's going to be really hard for Sterling to take it from Jan. With that being said, I think he does get it and he's going to have to use a lot more of his wrestling. That's the only thing I can really think of why the USC didn't want to give him his title shot. Maybe they don't think Sterling when he uses wrestling, it's not an exciting fight style compared to Peter Yan, who will knock out anybody. Yeah. So, but if that wrestling gets going, Peter Yan's going to have a serious problem. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Yan, even though he's not like had any top five opponents, he's still like quite big names on it. He, he had favors in the, you know, favor regardless of what points he was at in his career, he's still a, a big name. Um, but yeah, I, I think Sterling, he just needs to use his wrestling. Um, I think Yan is just. He's too good in, in stand-up. He's, he's too dangerous, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think it's it's that kind of stylistic fight again, wrestler versus striker, you know. 
who gets to the mark first. And so it'd be interesting to see how it goes down. Yeah, yeah and definitely. I, do, I do definitely think that Peter Yan's takedown defense is a little underrated, but at the same time, Aljamain Sterling is not a normal wrestler. He's got that freestyle wrestling style that's almost unpredictable. And when, when you're so good at wrestling and that kind of aspect, I mean – it's hard to prepare for that. I, I see, like I said, I think Sterling's going to be able to use his wrestling a lot more than we've seen in the past, really hold down Peter Yan, because if it goes to a stand-up, like we said already, Jan can put him away at any point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think Jan, he's so, he's so clinical, he's so precise with what he throws. I think Sterling has got to use his wrestling. He's not going to get any joy other if he doesn't. Um, but like you say, he's got that freestyle wrestling where I think it's, it's, it's so... His wrestling is so at such an elite level where you can prepare for it as much as you want. But I think it's a case of if Sterling wants to take you down, he's, he's going to take you down eventually. Yeah, and I need to go back and watch uh, some of Peter Yan's fights because I don't really know off the top of my head if he's ever uh, been put in a really bad spot in submission. But I think that's a great you know possibility too. We, we just saw in the last fight, you know, Sanhagen is not an easy guy to finish in any aspect. And the way that Sterling uses wrestling to set up that, you know, that submission and put him away in the first minute or so, I think that could be another thing that really evolves in Aljamain Sterling over his career. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, absolutely. What, what, what the thing so, um, one thing I want to speak about was uh, Paul Tamayev. Um, <laughs> he's having, having trouble finding fights. He's, he's literally shouting out to every fights that they can. I mean, I've only got a few names down. He's got Darren Till, Magni, uh, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, Wyman. I mean, when he gets the fights, who, who, who would you like to see him go against? I would really like to see that Neil Magni fight. I think that's somebody that offers him a legit, you know, uh, a legit competition no matter where this fight goes. We've seen his past opponents so far that they're really only good one type of way. And then Shimov just exposes that other and shows that he has really good talent no matter where he goes. Um, the only thing about Shimov, though, is I feel like he's starting to get like, he's giving me this weird vibe where at first, you know, all the call outs and stuff, I was liking. I was like, let's get, you know, this is what UFC is about. If you want to fight, you're here to fight. Let's get fights together. Yeah. But then it's like the guys he's starting to call out and insult, it really seems like he's not down to fight everybody because I don't know if the other guy would be down, but why isn't he called out somebody like Geoff Neal, who is a legit threat to anybody? You know, he's calling out these guys where I can already see where he's going to beat them. You know, Darren Till, wrestle him down, choke him out. Uh, you know, Neil Magny, there's not much there other than the fact that Shimov's just younger and more fresh. That's why I think it's a good fight, you know. Yeah. But the other ones, Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz, I can see him easily winning those fights. He needs to really step out of his comfort zone. And I understand, you know, no one's coming out from underneath their hidden rock to call out, call him out right now because it doesn't make too much sense for many people. But, yeah, I, I think that he's trying to get this reputation of, oh, I'll fight anybody anywhere, but – he's not calling out some of the best guys in the division that would possibly, you know, they need a fight. He's calling out these guys that have a decent name. So it's more of, I'm going to beat them. I, I can see why I'm going to beat them. And then I can use their name value to make Shima a bigger name. And do you think um, there's been a lot of talk around him with 
uh, opponent, whatever opponents you get in terms of rankings, you, you doesn't deserve to get a ranked fight. So do you think that's why the uh, excuse me the Magni one would make the most sense? Yeah, I think the Magni one makes the most sense. I mean, you can say that the ranked fighters are hiding and stuff, as a lot of people have. But the problem is, is that look at it from their perspective. They've won so many hard fights to get this ranked number. Mm -hmm. And now you want them to fight someone that's unranked so his legacy can be built. You know, it's I, I don't understand anyone. You know, Leon Edwards, people were giving him shit. Why would Leon Ed Edwards ever fight somebody unranked? If you lose to an unranked guy, you're done. You're, you're not in the title shot anymore. You're not even in your name's not even in the bag anymore. It, that's why I was saying it seems like he's just trying to pick his spots and whatever will be the easiest route to build up his name instead of, you know, taking the hardest fights because I know Neil Magny. He's been around for a while. We all know him. Neil Magny is down to fight. He doesn't care when. He doesn't care against who. So the fact that this fight has not been made starts to make me think Shimov's, you know, he's a little bit like, you know, they, this is all speculation. I can never know this, but it's starting to make me feel like he's in the back. Like, oh, is that enough name value for me to take this risk? Mm, Matt yeah. said already two times, I'll take the fight. He's the only guy to have talked up. So why is that fight not official yet? Yeah, it, it seems like he, he's come in with so much hype that he's almost building himself up as well. So he's like, well, because I'm coming in with this much hype, oh, I deserve that ranked opponent or that ranked opponent. It's yeah. like, well, no, you need to earn your shot, you know. That's it. There's obviously been a lot of talk of him at the moment because of having a sort of three fights so soon after after each other, which is it's great. It's what you want to see if you if you if you're fit and healthy to go, then you want to see them go, especially because he is he's talented. You can't deny that. But I do agree with uh, with Jake. I think he's he's calling out people he knows a, a big name, but easy fights in his head, mm -hmm. um, and he's just trying to make a name off off of them. And like you say, he's he's staying away from people he he thinks will be difficult fights for him I think he doesn't want he, he's he's more interested in building up the wins rather than actually testing himself yeah everything he seems like he's been calling out it's all a stylistic matchup and now we're seeing like the one that's most likely going to happen is versus Chris Weidman and you know it, it, I think it makes sense for Chris Weidman because if he could be Shimov it kind of completely changes whole, our whole outlook on Chris Weidman especially you know Weidman got the last win but did not look impressive at all yeah and it's perfect for Shimov, you know? It's enough name value to where, oh, he, uh, you got Chris Weidman on your record. That's a good win. But at the same time, I don't think, I don't see many opportunities here where Chris Weidman would beat Shimov in a fight right now. Yeah. No, it, it does look, it looks unlikely at the minute, but let's let's see what happens. I think, you, I think I do agree with you about Neil, the Neil Magny fight is probably the one to make from a, you know, an entertaining fight point of view. Um, like you say, all the other ones that have been called out, he's, he knows how he's going to beat them. Um, but let, let's wait and see what happens. We know he's, he seems down to fight anyway, so that, that's all you can ask at the minute. Um, <laughs> the one thing I wanted to ask ask yourself, Jake, is um, it's something we've talked about a little bit because his future's a bit up in the air at the moment. But uh, Brock Lesnar is currently technically a free agent. Um, is he someone you'd like to see back in the UFC or do you think his time's come and gone? Um, I mean, it's a guy, you know, Brock Lesnar could walk out there in crutches, you know, with a missing eye, and I'm still going to pay $65. <laughs> Brock Lesnar is a can't-miss fighter, and even, a, you know, he's not at that age. He's past, way past his prime, of course. He's at that rough age where it's like 41. This is where guys retire. But it's still at the point where, um, 
you know, I, I think he could still put on a good show. I don't know if it would happen for the UFC because I don't know if they're willing to put enough money towards it. I think if he's going to go back into mixed martial arts, Brock Lesnar is going to want, you know, a million, $2 million so he can like do a fight or two and then that's it. But I think a lot better scenario would be like Bellator because Bellator, that's something that could really push them to the next level, depending on who they could put him up against. Um, it all just comes down to, will Brock stay clean? Is he truly committed to getting back in the octagon, getting punched in the face? And, you know, the only thing that really truly matters is who wants to put up the money to see Brock Lesnar? And I don't know, the US, you know, Dana White said he was interested in looking into it, but I just don't think he's willing to put the money on the line to get Brock to do it. Yeah, no, I, think. I think with the uncertainty of, of sort of this COVID situation as well, um, from Dana's point of view, it probably doesn't make a great deal of sense. But I can I can see where you're coming from with Bellator. I think they're more open at the moment to putting big money on the table. Um, we've seen they're not afraid to sort of go after these ones who've had the the prime in UFC and bring them in. You know, we've seen Leoto go there. We've seen Rampage Vanderlei go there. So we know they're open to bringing in these these fighters who are maybe past the prime because the big names and they're going to generate a lot of business for them. So Brock Lesnar. Um, probably after Conor McGregor, he's probably the biggest draw of all time, if not the biggest still. So yeah. I agree from, from Bellator's point of view, I think even if it's only one or two fights, there's, there's, not, a, there's not really a, a downside to it from Bellator's point of view as long as he can stay clean. Yeah, and that's obviously the big question is, will he stay clean? You know, he couldn't do it when he was younger, more in his prime. So it makes me think that the age 41, 42, uh, he's really going to have to like, at least something, a little TRT, little EPO, something to get him going. Uh, I think another good possibility would be Bare Knuckle Fight Club. The only problem, obviously, is Lesnar is just a wrestler, so yeah. he wants to go in there and get punched in the face. But I do know that Bare Knuckle Fight Club is willing to spend that money. I mean, we've seen him spend big money already on Paige Van Zant. They're ready to start making the next move and getting bigger names. So I'm sure they'll throw him a couple contracts. But like I said, with his wrestling background, he's going to want to come back and wrestle. I don't think he wants to, you know, box anybody. No, I, I mean, I do personally believe. I still think he's probably just using all this talk as a bargaining chip with with WWE. He knows he's he knows he's safe there. He knows he's not going to get hurt too much besides a couple of aches here and there. But he knows he can work a limited schedule with them and make tons of money. So. He's probably using it as a bargaining chip, but it, it's interesting to see. And then you've got the whole dynamic of uh, DC. There's talk of him sort of moving to the WWE in a commentator capacity. So I, I said it on the last episode, um, maybe they're going to use it as a way to get Brock back in. Like we brought DC in for you. You're going to work a program with him kind of thing. Maybe, the, maybe that's the angle they're going to go with if it does happen. But I can't yeah. see him coming back myself, but it would be interesting. I also think you could throw Colby Covington into that mix. I don't know if he would work with Lesnar in a WWE thing, but I think that's what Colby Covington's doing with this bigger than life character. You know, all the, he's always done these antics, but recently his last two fights, you know, take it to another level. I think he's building this bigger than life character so he can do another fight or two. He's going to get his Usman rematch. And after that, if he wins or loses, I think he just goes to the WWE. I mean, he's got the wrestling background for it. He's already got a character and you know, it's different than we've seen Cain Velasquez and Ronda Rousey go to the WWE and it didn't really work out because they didn't have a great wrestling background and their true personalities weren't as big. But Colby Covington meets all those boxes. So if we see DC go to WWE, I would be on the lookout for Colby to go there too. 
Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. And he's got he's got a bit of history in that world as well. He was with uh, TNA for a little bit when American Top Team were doing an angle with uh, with Bobby Lashley there. So he's got a bit of experience in that world. So it would it would be a perfect transition for him. Like I say, I, I don't think Ronda and Kane weren't the the larger than life personalities that you need to be in WWE. They were just yeah. the I say just, but the just phenomenal athletes instead. Um, and it's hard to to make your mark just as an athlete in WWE. You've got to be a personality as well, and you weren't really. Yeah, and you really also, like I said before, you know, the personality is number one, but you also really have to be able to wrestle. You got to be able to put on a show with no mistakes. And you know, Cain Velasquez and Ronda Rousey, when they made their, you know, WWE runs, it did not seem like they were made for it. They weren't putting on great shows. They were just kind of walking out, and then everybody would freak out because, you know, it's Ronda Rousey or it's Cain Velasquez. And you can only use your your past MMA reputation for so long in the WWE. Yeah, I think both of them, well, obviously Kane's did turn out to be a one-shot deal with WWE, but I think Ronda's probably would have worked better as like a one or two-shot deal as well. Get that wow factor of her coming in and then she sells, set, you know, goes off into the sunset again. Um, I think having it as a full, full-time performer didn't help and the fans I think started turning on it in WWE uh, for, for that reason yeah I mean we we even saw the more and more we see of Ronda Rousey's personality no offense to her but she is not the coolest person she she's kind of a shithead and we saw that in the WWE you know she just kept they kept bringing her on more and more and her personality kept coming out and then everyone you know the fans were like all right well let's look past this UFC championship this girl kind of sucks, and yeah. it didn't work out for him. No, no. Yeah. But um, as yeah. you can tell, uh, I, I'm not into WWE as much. <laughs> I, I thought they got a, a word in there, but no, it's, <laughs> uh, Quinny's more of the WWE fella. Um, <laughs> but uh, one question that I was gonna ask um, is obviously been the whole thing around John Jones as a senior. I mean, and it's, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but if there was a super fight, what do you think should happen? What do you think it would be? What would you think those two opponents would be? Yeah, this whole Izzy thing, I think he's starting to use as a way out. Uh, you know, we saw after his last title defense that he, he was more than excited to go to heavyweight. It wasn't like, you know, someone called him out or there was a great opportunity. Like, you know, we've seen Conor McGregor in the past, just that perfect opportunity to go get the belt. Yeah. And suddenly, you know, he started training and he probably realized, wait a minute, this, this is really bad. Like, because I'm assuming the money fight is him versus Francis for the title. I think that's like the, the fight of the century, the one that he'd be going for. Him versus Stipe would be a good fight, but that's not going to bring the casual audiences as much as that Francis versus John Jones. So I think the better move for him is, you know, ride this Izzy wave, wait till Izzy takes the title from Jan, if that's how it plays out, and then go fight Izzy. Because if he goes down, or they fight at 205, actually, and, you know, Izzy or John Jones loses to Izzy, I don't think that takes away from John Jones's legacy too much. Obviously, he won't be considered the GOAT, but it's Israel Adesanya, you know, arguably the greatest striker in UFC history. And, you know, but if he goes up and he fights Francis Ngannou or Stipe and he gets slept, that's going to be a really bad, like, you know, 
shit stain on his career that just will be a really bad highlight and it'll mature as a really bad loss when he retires. So I think the Izzy fight makes more sense. The money will be there. It's one of those fights that just seems bigger than life. And then suddenly now it's a possibility. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't like me, me myself, but I'd rather see them go in their intended paths, even though it will be a great display of martial arts and, you know, great revenue for the UFC and whatnot. I'd still rather see them go in there subways. I want to see Izzy defend his, his belt and possibly become the greatest middleweight ever. Obviously, there's still Anson in the picture. You know, he's always going to be there. But And then with, with Jones, he's been talking about to move to heavyweight for years. I think if he's doing it, now it's the time to do it. Um, I mean, a, a lot of people, I think people have talked about Izzy fighting Usman. I mean... Do you think that one makes more sense than than the, than the Jones or? Um, I think the Jones one makes more sense for Izzy only because, you know, you're talking about really throwing yourselves to the wolves. If Izzy were to take on Usman, that's the worst stylistic matchup he could have. Somebody that truly up to this point has not been able to be stopped in his wrestling. Mm. And the only problem right now is I really don't know where this will go because Israel Adesanya, he, he's different. He, he's got that it factor, and you can truly feel he's not looking for what the biggest paycheck is. This guy wants to be the greatest of all time. Yeah. And I think that's what we're starting to see him move up, and he wants that John Jones fight. He wants to take the light heavyweight fight. I don't think there's a chance in hell he stays in middleweight. There's nothing there for him. You know, Jared Conanier, that's an interesting fight to me. But after that, Jack Hermanson's not beating Israel Adesanya. There until I think it's knocked down the first round by Israel Adesanya. And then after that, you just start rematching guys. And it's really just people trying to, you know, cover up their own loss. So I understand why he would move up. He's got the big frame. I'm sure he could put on the weight. But, yeah, I – the Usman, that, that's definitely a very risky fight for him. But if he did take that, it would be, once again, him proving that he'll do whatever it takes to prove he's the greatest of all time. Yeah. Yeah, so for me, I like I, I sort of go back to how it used to be. You, you, you have fighters who want to go through the entire division, whereas now it seems fighters are more in the mindset of, well, I've won the belt, now I want to move up and win another belt or move down and win another belt. It's like... I'd rather see a fighter conquer a division, which is why, for me, at least at the moment, I, I want to see Izzy fight a few more, um, you know, where he is, and then maybe move up and, and fight Jones. But I want him to. I want I'd, if the fight's going to happen, I'd rather it be with Jones as the goat in light heavy, and Izzy as the goat in is, and then you've got a true mega super money fight, fight and a super yeah. fight. Um, so if it's going to happen, I'd like to see Izzy get a couple more wins and really solidify just tie up the division until it's like, right, I'm, whoever wants it, now it's yours. I, I'm going. Um, I'd, I'd rather see that happen myself. Yeah, and I wonder what the USC is looking at this division like because, you know, Darren Till lost his last fight, but now he has a fight against Jack Hermanson who kind of looks like one of, he's going to be, Hermanson's going to be one of the next guys up for a title shot. So it really makes me get this weird, you know, thought that, I think they're trying to they I think they might know or truly think that Israel Adesanya is going to move up and they want to keep Darren Till's name in the mix so they can get put him in the interim title shot because obviously you know we we just repeatedly see that Darren Till's one of those guys that the UFC wants to be a champion he he's yeah. so multiple has one of the biggest personalities great fight style and 
you know, he gets that great combination of people either love him to death or they just want to see him get knocked out every fight. So I, I, I wonder, I don't know what the division outlook is, but like I said, if he beats Hermanson, let's say Izzy moves up, suddenly it looks like, you know, winner of Whitaker versus Cannoneer takes on winner, uh, the winner of Hermanson Till. So in that aspect, I, I don't even, I don't know if Izzy has plans to stay around, but I agree with you. I, I do want to see him at least take on Jared Cannoneer, and I'd like to see him take on Hermanson before he leaves just to truly clear out the division. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. makes more sense in my eyes. But um, again, that's sort of the way the UFC is now. People just want to fight. It, it, I get it from a bit from a money point of view, from a business point of view. But um, again, I, I'm more sort of old school where I want to see fighters proving that they're the elite fighter in their weight class. And you don't get it quite as much anymore. But it doesn't make it any less exciting. So that's the main thing. Yeah, I mean, with those, you know, that until those, you know, probably kill themselves so we, we support them <laughs> um, but I, I think that would be an interesting uh, proposal that you just made is like um, Jack Manson if he does go up then you've got Kananea and Whitaker I mean that that, that is an interesting little aspect I didn't even think of that yeah I mean I just it keeps coming into my mind randomly because like I said why else would Darren Till you know, like if he beats Hermanson, he has to be in the title shot, like at least in the talks. And after his last fight, I, I didn't, I thought he would be, you know, three fights away from a title shot. It, it, I think it was a tough loss. He didn't look bad or anything. It's just, I don't know. I think they're definitely trying to keep him up there for a reason. And, you know, you, you, obviously the problem is, is that Darren Till's a great fighter, but I don't think he lasts one round with Israel Adesanya. The way that their styles are, are matched up, I, you know, you can't be a guy. We've seen time and time again, you cannot be a stand-up guy and beat Israel Adesanya. He, he's one of the best strikers we've ever seen in mixed martial arts. Yeah, yeah. Even though, you know, Darren Till is from the but I think I've got to agree with that. I mean, Adesanya is just a different kind of being with his striking. He's... He's just his accuracy, and that's just on point. He's he is a different kind of animal in the strike. I've got to admit that as as good as Tim is in, in terms of his striking, I think Adesanya is just on another level. He's comes at different angles and that as well. So yeah, I think Till's Till's a, a Till's a bit of a strange fighter for me because I think you can always tell kind of when he's going to win and when he's going to lose. When he when he's got the the better of a fighter it shows straight away he's more confident and mm -hmm. he's just he's very crisp he's very accurate in what he does but as soon as as soon as somebody's got an advantage over him it's almost he, he can't sort of get his head around it because i think because he's built up this whole again it's something you need as a fighter but because he's got this i think he's got it like a higher opinion of himself than maybe not necessarily should have but i think he thinks he should be winning every fight regardless um, and so when somebody has got an advantage over him, I, I don't think he knows how to react. I don't think he knows how to... He hasn't worked on that sort of way to counter other styles at the minute. And I think that's what he needs to work on him to for him to progress to that next level. Yeah, I mean, the, John, or I mean, just with Israel and Asanya, we, we continue to see this, you know, the flyweight division just now coming back. But when a champion is just so dominant it just holds up the whole division. And then you get to a point where, you know, the, this guy's ranked one to eight, he's already beat and mm. you don't know what to do now. So I think there's so many possibilities in this division. 
but it all depends on Israel Adesanya. If he stays there, he's just going to keep picking and choosing, picking them off. If he moves up, I don't know what could happen in this division. There, there's so many different possibilities. Yeah, I think for the good of the division, he probably does need to to leave it, maybe in a couple of fights, um, just to just to freshen it up, if nothing else. But um, like you say, it does get to a point. Like like Demetrius Johnson when he was in the UFC, he literally beat the entire roster, and then obviously he got beat by Cejudo. But he he beat all of them already anyway. There was nothing else he had to accomplish in the UFC. So instead of moving up, he went to one. Um, but I think that's Adesanya's reaching that level where. It's it's getting to a point where it's like, well, you've you've beat everyone now, so yeah, move up, go go after go after Jan, go after the belt there, or and target that fight with Jones. And I think if it goes down like that, as I say, that's the way it needs to happen. Yeah, and I wonder what John Jones is really thinking about through this whole process because he's got to be smart enough to realize that you know John Jones. I don't think his wrestling is going to be enough to just dominate on top and ground and pound Izzy. But at the same time, if it stays standing up. John Jones is going to have some serious problems unless he gets it into a close range. But that's the same thing we were saying with Paulo Costa, and we saw how that ended up. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah certainly um, makes for an interesting fight. Yeah, it does. I think with, with, with John Jones and Alessandro, it's like Jones has got the most superior wrestling. Um, I think that's where he, Alessandro would have trouble. I don't think he's established his wrestling as much. Yeah, I mean... And, and I think that's always something you want to do. When you become known as like a great striker, you want to work on, you know, your wrestling in case someone tries to, you know, take you down and stuff. I, I think that's where you'd struggle. But, um, like, close, close quarters, stand up. As a senior, as it, I mean, maybe against the cage, Jones has it, because he's probably, he'd be bigger. And he, he'll have his elbows. He's got them dangerous elbows on the cage. But, yeah, if it happens, you know, it'll definitely bring a lot of eyes to, to, the, to the UFC and MMA and everything. Definitely. Um, so I think, I mean, unless you had any more questions, Caden or UJ, I don't know if there's anything else we need to cover. Oh, no, I think we pretty much got all of it. <laughs> we got, got the, the week's topics out and everything, the cards and more. So it was a, it was a pretty good experience. Being a great having you. Love your energy. I really appreciate it. I'd love to have you guys come on my podcast at some point. If you guys ever want me back, I'd love to come back on. I yeah, definitely will definitely do it again. Yeah, it's been brilliant. Peace out. I hope everything goes well with you guys. Take it Cheers, easy. Man, have a good one. Cheers. Yeah.